Welcome to the EQ Podcast. All right, welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders in the Calvary Chapel Association here in the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Zach Lamberson, and with me is Pastor Steve Winery. And we have on the show a very special guest today with us from Calvary Chapel uh, Caldwell in Idaho, uh, Pastor Bob Larson. How are you doing, Bob? Great. How are you guys doing? Really good. Good. So, Bob, I know, uh, you know, we know you. We've got to hang out with you the last few years at pastors' conferences and get to know your team a little bit. Uh, but would you, just because our, our listeners probably don't know who you are, just kind of introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about who you are, where you're at, what you, how you got there. And uh, I call this the origin story portion of the podcast. You know, it's like hearing people's story. I love hearing how unique God brought us to that place of salvation and also call into ministry and stuff. So please, please take some time. Okay, well, uh, I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel Caldwell, and I moved here about 25 years ago. Didn't know anybody. And the reason that we moved here is that I was an assistant pastor at another church, another Calvary Chapel. And our daily routine at that church was you have to, when you get to your office, pray, seek the Lord to listen, to hear the Lord's voice and what he would direct you to do, you know, at work every day. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, hey, I want you to go out and start a church. And um, so the first time I thought he said that to me, I just thought, well, I'm not writing that down, you know, because I would write it. And I thought, <laughs> I don't think so. And yeah, then, no. you know, I would pray the next day and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said the same thing I told you yesterday. I'm like, well, what was that? I don't know what that I was. I didn't write down. I forgot. I don't know. Yeah, how was I, I supposed to remember this? <laughs> so after a series of weeks, then I started praying, well, Lord, if you want me to do this, then you need to open the door. So uh, you need to show me where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Um, I pray that the pastor that I'm working for will be excited about me leaving and going and starting a church. Because yeah. I knew I did a lot of things. Uh I oversaw a lot of ministries and did a lot of work. And uh, so I'm pretty sure he wasn't going to be happy about it. So, uh, but long story short, then uh, the Lord opened the doors and we're riding together in a car. And the pastor that I was working for, uh, Pastor Rick Brown, he said, so Bob, what's the Lord been speaking to you? And I thought, <laughs> well, this is an open door for me to tell him. So I said, well, I think the Lord's been speaking to me about, you know, going and planting a church. And, and anyway, I had, uh, you know, kind of been praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? Where, Where's there a place where there's not a Calvary Chapel, where nobody wants to go? I'll go there. And so uh, Salt Lake, you know, was kind of on my radar. Uh, I used to ski at Alta and Snowbird. And so I thought this would be a great place to live. And yeah. there's no Calvary Chapels in Salt Lake. I mean, I didn't know of very many. Uh, so uh, my wife and I went, uh, her best friend lived in Sandy, Utah, which is outside of Salt Lake. And we'd go there. And we look up the Calvary Chapel, and there's a great Calvary Chapel there. And so uh, then I thought, well, maybe that's not it. Uh, so I just kept praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then uh, we came out here to the Treasure Valley, uh, Boise area. My sister lives out here. And, you know, we kind of went around. And uh, there's there's a, a place where they have a nice golf course. And, and uh, so I thought, we're going to go there. But then as we were here, the Lord told me. <laughs> A golf course? Yeah, I, I totally get that, Bob. That's something you look for, and you're going to plant yourself for a long term. You want to know what the golf courses are like around the go. area. Completely. Well, it was Eagle, Idaho, and it's just a nice little place. And um, and I actually, 
uh, could have worked at the golf course. They would have hired me and, uh, you know, I could have, uh, you know, just, it would have been nice. But then my sister told me, um, well, you, you certainly don't want to go to Caldwell. I mean, Nampa's fine. Eagle's fine, but not <laughs> yes. Caldwell. It's don't dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so then, uh, but I felt the Lord telling me on my way home, we were driving back to our church where we were working. Uh, hey, I want you to, I want you to, you know, move to Caldwell. And so I told my wife and she prayed about it. And she said, yeah, I think the Lord's telling me the same thing. So, you know, that was the beginning. And, and then we got here, um, you know, it was difficult, but I did feel like the Lord wants me to do this. So we're going to do it. And, you know, from the very first Sunday, um, I was always praying, Lord, if you want me to do something else, um, you know, be a professional, uh, you know, musician or golfer or surfer or any, I'll do any of those things, <laughs> whatever you want me to do. <laughs> and so when things got hard, I would always think, Lord, you sure you don't want me to do something else? And, uh, but uh, he didn't. He just said, no, I want you to stay here and, and do it. So uh, so we moved here, didn't know anybody, uh, had a Bible study in a house. And uh, then we rented, <clears throat> there's a college here, College of Idaho. And we rented some rooms there and started uh, Calvary Chapel Caldwell. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many people came, 10 people, uh, you know, pretty small. It was 25 years ago. And uh, so we just kept, you know, working away and uh praying for the lord to provide a building and then somebody came up to me we were there about a year someone came up to me and said hey if you could find a building where someone would carry the paper and uh and you know the down payment was around twenty thousand dollars then i'll give you twenty thousand dollars for a down payment and then mm -hmm. that week someone came up to me and said hey there's this building and uh but you'd need twenty thousand dollars down to buy this building the owner will carry the paper and I said, oh, all right, well, let's go meet with him. So, uh, so we bought that little building. I think it was, I think it was about five or 10,000 square feet, maybe 10,000 square feet. I don't remember how big it was. Um, so anyway, we moved into that building and started having church. We're there for a couple of years. Um, and then we had an opportunity to move to another building, a Catholic church that they were building a new building. Um, it was bigger. Then we went there for a couple of years. Uh, and then while we were there, uh, a pastor from a church down the street came to my office and said, uh, God told me to tell you that you're going to buy our church. And he gives me his business card. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking this guy's weird. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm wondering if he goes to every church and says that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I just thought, you know, uh, it's an old building. I don't like old buildings. And so uh, anyway, about a few weeks later, the Catholic diocese, which we were renting the Catholic church from, and it was a whole city block. So it was a pretty good building. Um, they said, we're not going to rent you anymore. And I said, why not? And they said, well, it's not. Do you have any, you're going to use this building for something else? No, you're out. And so uh, then I started praying, Lord, what should we do? And uh, and then the Lord said, well, remember that guy sent to your office? That <laughs> 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 you thought was weird? <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, well, uh, so anyway, I call him and uh, I still thought he was weird, but uh, so then they told us how much money they wanted and uh he ended up going to our church later <laughs> but uh so they told us how much money they wanted and uh and i thought well we can't afford that it's too much money and and so uh at that time it was a coincidence not a coincidence but uh the lord uh had me go to this pastor's conference and um and i talked to bob or not uh, don mcclure and i'd know don for mcclure because uh you know one of my good friends worked for him, and I, I so I knew him through that. So, uh, 
I said, hey, we were in this dilemma. We're getting kicked out. We have this building, but we're not sure about finance. And he said, hey, call this guy now. So I called the guy and I don't know who the guy is. He's you know a banker in Southern California. And I call him, tell him our story. And he says, um, well, you know, you need 20% down. And I said, yeah, we don't. Well, he said, how much money do you have? I said, well, not hardly any, uh, you know, a few thousand. And he said, we well, need 20% down. So you need, you know, a, a lot of money. And I said, okay, well, thanks for helping. Goodbye. And he's like, well, what are, you, what are you doing? He's like, well, we don't have the money. I mean, you can't phone us the money, right? And he said, well, uh, he said, well, what, what about asking, uh, the, you know, the people that you're buying the building from to give you 100,000 for the down payment? And, and I said, why would they give us money to buy their church? And he said, well, what do you got to lose? Why don't you do it? And so I thought, this is weird. And so uh, I said, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think I want to do it. And he said, well, what do you got to lose? So I said, all right. So then I go home and tell my wife. So this guy that I don't even know told me that I had to give, ask these other people that I don't know to give us $100,000 to buy their building. And my wife said, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. Uh, so I asked them and they came back a week later and said, yep, we had a board meeting and we'll do it. Uh, we'll give you the money. Um, <laughs> that's and, fantastic. Yeah. So that's how we got in the building that we're in is that, um, you know, the Lord just kind of opened the doors and uh, it's been a great building. And this building is about 30,000 square feet. And, and now it's, we're full. We've been looking for a, another building, but uh, you know, it's expensive to buy a bigger building. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, so that's kind of how we got here. It's kind of, you know, totally the Lord doing everything. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, didn't have a plan. Uh, didn't have a steering committee. Um, didn't read Rick Warren's book about how to build a big church. Uh, we just prayed. That was it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hey, um, uh, I got a question. So in the early days, when you first moved to Caldwell, um, you said that you had about 10 people coming right at first. Where did, where did they come from? How did, and this is for guys that, that are wanting to start a fellowship. So did you go out yeah, witnessing, well, you meet them at work? What'd you do? No, back then, um, you know, 25 years ago, I didn't know anybody. So I knew a drummer that I played in a band with. And so I told him we were coming out and he said, I'll come. And then he said, I know another family and they came. And then I was a youth pastor a long time ago and a couple uh, kids from the youth group that were grown up and they said, Hey, we'll come. I mean, they weren't going to be part of the church. They just came to the first week. Uh, so I didn't know anybody and I didn't invite anybody. Just, you know, these 10 people came. Then when we went to the college, um, you know, a couple weeks later, um, I, yeah, I still didn't know anybody and I was working a full-time job and I was just praying, Lord, if you want this to happen, then you bring people and, um, and people just started coming. And yeah, mostly it wasn't me. I didn't invite them. Uh, I mean, I wanted to invite them, but I was working a full-time job. So I worked 40 hours a week at my job. And then I worked Saturday and Sunday at the church. So I was working seven days a week, probably working, you know, I don't know, 70, 80 hours a week. And yeah, I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. How, how God just sets things up for you, opens doors and, yeah. It's because he's he's building the work. He's doing. He's the one who's building it. Yeah. And so you've you've been in your building now. You're saying you're kind of growing and, and looking to expand. I noticed you guys do three services. You do a Saturday night and then two Sunday morning. What made you think let's do a Saturday night and not three Sunday morning services like a lot of churches would do? 
Well, uh, I'd been praying, Lord, how can we reach more people? And I, uh, you know, I go to as many pastors conferences as I can and try to talk to other seasoned pastors who've had experience. And one of the pastors I talked to said, you know, I love doing Saturday night because number one, it's an opportunity for all those people who work on Sunday to come to church. It's a whole Mm -hmm. different crowd. And then number two is that the pastor said uh, that this is kind of a good, uh, he said, even if not very many people come, it's a good way for me to run through my sermon and uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, get the kinks worked out. And and so I prayed about it for some time. And we did have quite a few people that told me they worked on Saturday night and, uh, you know, couldn't come on on Sunday. And so we prayed and stepped out in faith and said, let's give it a go. Uh, and we have prayed about doing three Sunday morning service, services now. And we probably could do another one. But we, we have kind of talked about, until we buy some land or have another building ready, if I do a Saturday night and three Sunday morning for a lot of years, then it's going to wear me out probably because I'm I'm not that tough and uh, <laughs> and it's hard on the children's ministry and the worship yeah. ministry and and so uh, we would do three if we had a goal like to get a building and then go back to two and now I've been doing Saturday night and two Sunday morning for I don't know how long maybe ten or fifteen years and I love it it really is great um, it's just the Saturday night group is a totally different group than the Sunday morning group. Um, and, you know, it, it's really like another church. It's kind of like if you had a small church of 50 people on Sunday morning, and then you had a Saturday night church of 50 people, it's like a totally different church because mm-hmm. we have totally different ushers, totally different greeters. Um, you know, just everybody's different. The children's ministry is different. The worship band is the same. Uh, they play Saturday and Sunday, but um and so it really is just a, for me, it's just a great, um, a, and I've talked to other pastors have tried it and they said, you know, Saturday didn't work. People didn't come. So we shut it down. We've had Saturday nights that were bigger than our Sunday morning. Hmm. Yeah. Praise God. So I also noticed you do a, a TV program locally. And, you know, that was one of the things I was curious. Pastor Steve does one too. You know, what kind of fruit have you seen from that? And then would you encourage other guys, you know, who are maybe thinking they're getting to that point of growth where they're trying to look for other ministries, radio or TV, would you encourage them like, hey, this is a great place to to put money to? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the television ministry for us is probably the most fruitful. Um, you know, I talk to people every Sunday who watch the service. I talk to people that say, oh, I've been watching your service for three years and then i came to church today we talked to people that live pretty far away you know like a 30 40 minute drive uh that are coming and uh that watch it so it's a lot of work but uh, again we prayed about it lord if you want us to do this open the doors and he brought people and and uh, it is a very great it's a very powerful ministry you know i've talked to some younger pastors who say you know no one listens to radio so we're only doing social media and so my perspective is i want to reach as many people as we can for jesus so we do radio and TV and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and anything we can. I mean, we're, we're not doing TikTok or Snapchat because it seems like that's not an appropriate place for pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with you. And 15 seconds or whatever it is, a minute would not be enough. So no, that's good. Uh, have you had, I know you guys have a, like a large Mormon population in Idaho. We do too in Tri-Cities, but have you had a lot of Mormons respond? I know Pastor Steve has had Mormons who will listen to him before they go to Mormon church. And we've gotten some feedback like that, which is pretty neat. Yes, uh, we, we have. And, 
we have a very uh, diverse group of people coming from Presbyterians and Catholics and Mormons. But we, you know, my dad was a Mormon and my grandma was a Mormon. So I, I kind of, I have shared that in my services, you know, in our church services. Uh, so people know that's my background. But um, uh, yeah, we don't have one specific group. Um, yeah, it's very, we're very eclectic. We have, you know, just a wide, diverse group of people. Not that we're into diversity, but it's just how it happened. Yeah. I also know, Bob, uh, I just, from conversations I've had with you, you're, you're a techie guy. <laughs> Um, you like, you like tech and, uh, you're involved with, you know, the tech at your church. I was just thinking, you know, for, for pastors, what's a piece of tech that you would think everyone should have this, or this would be really helpful to your ministry, something that you would go, this would be a really good tool for ministry for you. What's something that you could maybe share with us about? Well, I would say the simplest thing is Facebook and YouTube. I mean, the simplest thing is, um, to, uh, you know, somehow, you know, record your services, you know, the audio, put it on, uh, you know, put the audio on, you know, wherever you can, a radio station or whatever. And then if you can get just buy a cheap camera to record it, and there are very cheap ways to edit your sermon. We don't go live because I'm not politically correct. Um, our staff wants to go live. So <laughs> <clears throat> we record it first service, and then our video editor edits it and then puts it on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube uh, because we would probably be banned from YouTube. So, uh, and Facebook and, and, and yeah. You should just try it. You should have the unedited let's <laughs> get banned version of your services on a different YouTube account. And if they want to shoot that one down, you still have your safe space or you can. <laughs> we get shut oh, yeah. down routinely. Yeah, we do. You do? Yeah, they'll yeah. give us a strike. On, and it's funny, it's on videos that are like a year or two old, they'll go through and say, yeah, you can't put that on. On And it's you, I've, and I go through and listen to him to see if there's legitimate claims. And there's always not. It's something that Steve said that's like, hey, you know, this is something that you want to pay attention to, or this is something that might happen. And they'll be like, this is misinformation. So yeah, they've given us two different times, given us a strike on YouTube, which lets, which freezes your account for a week. And then you can't post anything that week. So no live services and whatnot, which is unfortunate. But you know, they're also like, if you get another strike, we're going to take, take you off for a month and then a third strike you're off. And so like, oh, whatever. Yeah. So we skip that. I tell our church, if you want to be offended, you have to come in person. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I have our video so and he comes down to me <clears throat> probably once every six months and gives me this look, the eyes and says, we can't use any of that. <laughs> So, so, um, Bob, if you're, if you're talking to, uh, you know, a smaller church, what kind of, you know, when you're talking about, uh, maybe doing, uh, uh, getting on the local TV broadcast or doing YouTube or doing Facebook, um, what, what kind of equipment are they looking at? What, what would you, what, what would you tell them to start off with? Yeah, well, there's a variety of very cheap, you know, audio, uh, equipment you get just, i mean if you have any kind of mixer that has an output and you can uh you know get a camera every every church no matter how small you are 50 people you can find some techie guy in the church you can get a camera we we started out uh recording uh to on a macbook pro and and i think we started out editing on um what it, what is apple's uh final cut no no that's the, what's the one that okay. comes 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think they have a. They used to have one that was uh, on your iPhone. I forget what it's called. Uh, yeah, but I know what you're talking about. It's basically the GarageBand version of Logic. Yeah, it's like GarageBand for video, and it was yep. free, and we used that, and we just edited with that, and then uh, so uh, you know things change so fast in the technology world, but uh, you can also uh, talk to consultants. Now there are um, you know audio consultants, and like in our community, there's uh, consultants you can have to come and you know if you want to buy a new uh sound system it kind of everybody now does audio video so you could have someone come out and say hey give us a bit on you know what we need to uh record for youtube facebook uh and and for a tv station i would suggest starting with uh facebook and youtube because it's so much easier the easiest thing is you can buy uh, a pretty inexpensive little uh, mixer and you can just stream directly live as I said, we don't do that because um, we don't want to go through the hassle of being shut off every other week. So uh, we edit it before we put it on. But um, a lot of a lot of uh, you know churches have people in their church that could help them with it. And there's very inexpensive. You probably could buy a camera for less than a thousand dollars. You can buy uh, a really nice digital mixer for a couple thousand dollars, uh, and you know you probably can get stuff for less than that. But um, yeah, I actually had someone come to me and show me they were a missionary overseas and they were doing the whole thing with their iPhone. They were recording mm-hmm. it with their iPhone, mm-hmm. editing it with their iPhone. And, uh, you know, you could probably find somebody to teach you how to upload it from your iPhone, <laughs> but yeah. you can be really, they had three iPhones and they were using some software. We originally started out, uh, after the MacBook pro, then we bought a, uh, black magic switcher. And I think it was pretty inexpensive, a thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars. Um, and you just hook it up to a computer. You can record into it. The black magic stuff is inexpensive and it, it's, you know, it works pretty good. Um, uh, we, we probably still have that switcher. If somebody wants it, we give it to them. There you go. There you go. You just got to hit Bob up. Te- email okay. Bob. I'll give you his email at the end of the show. I know, just, <laughs> now and we, his cell phone. And yeah, his, yeah. yeah. We use a lot of black magic stuff too. There's, there's good quality. And then, like you said, the switchers are really intuitive, really easy to use. So uh, I also noticed you play on your worship team, you're a musician. I was kind of thinking, what's the dynamic of, you know, you're the shepherd, you're the leader of the church. When you're on the worship team, you're not leading, you're under someone. What's that dynamic like if you have, you know, a pastor in a similar situation? How's that been for you? Uh, well, you know, I, uh, I was a worship leader at multiple Calvary chapels before I was a, you know, planted a church. And so I regularly got feedback from the senior pastor about what they wanted in the worship team. And I was blessed to be able to go to a lot of uh, worship conferences, Calvary Chapel worship conferences, where I got to hear, you know, Pastor Chuck Smith and Greg Laurie and Raul Reese talk to worship leaders about what was their expectations of a good worship leader? What what should you do? And so um, for me, as, you know, playing in the band, I play electric guitar and I usually don't lead any songs. I just, you know, kind of play electric guitar. And so I just try to pass on that information that I learned as a worship leader that, you know, the pastors and I, and I was just telling one of our worship leaders this weekend, uh, you know, I I think it was Greg Laurie. We were at his church and it was a Calvary Chapel worship conference. And he said to the worship pastors, Hey, we're ready to worship. We don't need you to work us up. We're we're ready. We love Jesus. We want to worship. Just (laughs) get it going. (laughs) Just don't do things that distract us. And, don't don't sing weird songs that we don't know what it means. And so uh, I just communicate that stuff. 
<laughs> which is pretty simple, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then I am very involved in the, in the sound system. My son's an electrical engineer and he's, he's our sound technician. And, uh, and I, you know, because I was a worship leader and I did outreach concerts. So, uh, you know, I know, uh, guys who do that kind of stuff. So, uh, I'm involved in that a little bit. And, and we try to make sure with our sound guy, we have a sound pressure level meter with a big meter. It's, it's, you know, I don't know how big it is. It's, you know, huge. And that, Hey, we don't want to, you know, be driving people away because it's too loud. So at our sound booth, I think we tell them 95 dB a weighted, you know, just um, don't want to have it too loud. And then I ask the sound guys to go out in the audience and to talk to some old people and young people and say, how does it sound? And if the old people and the young people both say good, you're in good, you're in business. But if one of them says, it's too loud, then you need to, you know, consider, is it too loud? Because, um, you know, that's kind of been a thing for our church. Because we have, uh, you know, full band with drums and guitars and multiple guitars and lots of singers and, you know, a nice PA that sounds good. And so it's easy to get too loud. So so that's a big deal is not being too loud. Um, and then our, our goal in the worship ministry is we want to be raising up young people. So right now we have, I don't know, three or four young girls that are in high school still singing on the worship team. And, and we, we rotate different band, different worship teams on, you know, different weekends. And so we want to be getting young people involved, giving them opportunity. Um, so we're always wanting to, uh, you know, get young people involved. And, and then we also want to have a little mix of new and old. We want to have, you know, some hymns. And I tell them our ideal worship set, you know, we do five songs at a church service, is to maybe have one hymn of the top 10 that everybody knows. Uh, and then, you know, a new song that is biblical and has biblical truth. <laughs> Uh, not a new song that I don't know what it means. And uh, which, I mean, I studied the Bible, you know, for a long time and I studied every week and read it through. I don't even know how many times. And there are worship songs. I honestly don't know what they're about. I don't even know what they're talking about. So we try to avoid that, but usually it's water, Bob. Yeah. There's a lot of songs. Usually it's water. Oh, (laughs) a lot about water. (laughs) There's a lot of water going on. A lot of water. So we tell them ideally, Hey, if you could have a hymn, um, you know, because there's a diverse group in our church. And then if you could have a new song and then, you know, a couple songs that everybody knows that are kind of, and so we kind of have a systematic approach to uh, songs we do and how we do them. We have guest people come in to do songs, uh, you know, do worship. And um, probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, we were having a couple different guest worship leaders come regularly. And so they would ask me, well, how do we know that we're not playing the same songs you played last weekend? So I said, hey, how about you just send me 10 songs and I'll pick five and give them back to you and you do those five. And so probably 10 or 15 years ago, we started doing that. And, and now I do that with, uh, you know, when we have guest worship leaders or even when we have worship leaders that uh, don't go to our church, but come regularly. And uh, that really is great because then we have a diverse mix. We always have them play different songs than what our house band plays. Uh, so I, I think worship is a big part of reaching the lost. I think when the music sounds like it's from 10 generations ago, then people feel a little awkward about inviting their non-Christian friends who went to the bar last night and was listening to who knows what pagan music at the bar. And then they come and hear some music that, that sounds like it's from 200 years ago. I mean, that's, I think that's a big deal. And as a young person for me, you know, uh, I didn't go to go to church growing up. I was an atheist. I sold drugs in California. And then when I got saved, you know, I started going to this Calvary Chapel and it was in Idaho and the worship was good, but it wasn't what I was used to. But there was a lot about Jesus in it. And it seemed like they were singing to God 
And it, it seemed like they were sincerely singing to God, even though I didn't know what that meant. Um, and, and so for me, worship's important because uh, I, I think that when it's, when it's right and, and people know when it's right, then people just sense, oh, this is right. This, this is what we should be doing. And, mm-hmm. and then people love it and they want to be involved with it. And even for me, uh, you know, our worship band was kind of country-ish. And I had just, I mean, I would be in my car listening to Ozzy Osbourne and Van Halen. Then I would come in and hear uh, Buck Owens or whatever the worship leader was playing. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know what it was, you know. And we were clapping our hands. Uh, but in my mind, you know, I could tell they love Jesus. And I, and I want to love Jesus. And we're singing to Jesus. And so even though I knew nothing about it, uh, whereas sometimes, you know, I uh, even with Calvary Chapels, you know, we're on vacation, we come to a church, and here I am a pastor who studies the Bible and teaches, you know, four or five Bible studies every week and read through the Bible hundreds of times, and they're singing a song, and I'm thinking, I have no idea what this song is about. And then that doesn't seem like, oh, we're worshiping Jesus. It's like, what are we doing? Uh, Yeah, so... So I encourage our worship ministry, let's keep it simple, you know, focus on the Lord. The songs need to be biblical. Yeah, so. Hey, Bob, talk to the talk to the guys who are having a struggle with worship leaders, like they don't have one or they have they have one that, you know, they can play three chords and and, uh, you know, that, that kind of, you know, starting out. Yeah, well, my advice would, would be keep it simple. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. So. You know, our church plays with tracks and Ableton and Pro Tools all at the same time. And, uh, you know, when we started out, though, we just had an acoustic guitar and that was it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have people at our church that can lead worship with acoustic guitar and hundreds of people. And it works because they're just doing what they do. Don't try to be something you're not. And then, you know, if you only know three songs, only play three songs. Don't play four. Don't play a song that you don't know. <laughs> you know, just do what you can do and don't go past that. So, and I think that's important. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Uh, just do what you can do and pray the Lord brings people. And and then even lessons are important. Like our, I encourage our church, hey, you should have your kids taking music lessons and we should be raising up generations of worship leaders. And uh, so in my own family, I had I taught my kids how to play drums, guitar, bass, keyboards. All my kids were musicians. And uh, my, my son, who's 30, he still plays drums at our church. And he's really awesome. good. He's been doing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, awesome. But I would well, encourage people to take lessons. I mean, sometimes people think that musicians are born that way, that they're just yeah, born yeah. skilled. The truth is the, the best musicians I've ever met in my life are people who are naturally gifted by God. And then they work on that skill and, and hone that skill and learn from other people. Yeah. One of the things that um, I didn't realize was going on, uh, I, I grew up in Greg Laurie's church. And uh, so, you know, the worship leaders would come through. And so you'd have, have you know, a guy who's there for two years and then the guy's gone and, and, you know, something else is going on. But one of the things that Greg did was he routinely got up and led worship a cappella. And I was, uh, you know, I, I was like you. I came out of a non-Christian background, knew, knew nothing about Christianity. And so I just thought it was normal. And he would be standing up there and he's clapping and he's singing and, and leading the whole congregation in worship. And, and so, you know, worship is worship, you know, and if you've, if you've, uh, got, uh, if you got the talent to play the, play the guitar and do a few songs and, and that kind of thing, then you could do that, but you can always do it acapella. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I did that too yeah. early on, but I would just sing songs acapella when we didn't have a worship leader. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Bob, you know, I know um, you're kind of a unique teacher in the Calvary movement, not, not bad. I'd like how you teach. It's just a little different than some of the typical Calvary guys. Uh, would you kind of explain maybe your um, approach to teaching? I know you're a little bit shorter on the shorter end. Uh, well, you told me about a half hour, 35 minutes is what you like to teach. And I don't know if it's your short attention span or you know, <laughs> <laughs> no. that's about my jam too. Yes. I, I think it's my own att short attention span is why I don't yeah. like to go much past that. But so my wife is a school teacher and I went to conferences with her uh, when she was teaching. She's an English teacher, high school. She taught speech. Uh, and so uh, I went to a conference with her and they had this PhD telling how when teachers teach that the average American attention span is about 30 minutes. And when you go to 40 or 50, they're not going to remember the other stuff anyway. And so uh, I remember I was a youth pastor when I heard that. And so I would start asking the adults in our sanctuary, our pastor would teach um, an hour and sometimes an hour and a half. And I would stand at the front door and, you know, I was in my twenties. I didn't care what people thought. I said, Hey, so what was the sermon about? <laughs> what did you learn? And um, I had a good memory back then. And, and I found that people couldn't remember what he said. And so then I, then when I was an assistant pastor, I would do the same with our youth pastor. I would stand at the door and when the kids came out, I would say, so what was the sermon about? What was the message about? Tell me one thing that you learned. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, people couldn't remember very much. So, I mean, that just kind of stuck in my mind. And then I remember going to Calvary Costa Mesa and watching Pastor Chuck. And, you know, it was very structured, you know, started on time. And I don't know exactly, uh, you know, what their thought was, but it was one hour because he did three Sunday mornings, right? And it was, you know, 20 minutes of worship, five minutes of, of uh, you know, announcements, and then, uh, you know, 40 minutes of, uh, or 35 to 40 minutes of teaching. Um, and so I normally do about 40 minutes. The editors cut about 10 minutes. Uh, for the TV or more, our TV show is 25 minutes. I usually go about 35, sometimes 40. So 35 regular. So they cut 10. Uh, and so, and then how we do it is that, you know, I just kind of looked at Pastor Chuck's model that Pastor Chuck taught on Sunday night, verse by verse. So we do that on Wednesday night. I go verse by verse, book by book through the Bible. And then on the weekend, whatever we're teaching on Wednesday night, verse by verse, we take a, a section and dig into that little section. And um, Pastor Chuck, I heard him saying all the time, we don't teach topical at Calvary Chapel. We teach in-depth expositional, but, but people don't know what that means. So, uh, so on Sunday morning, uh, you know, we take a section, dig in. And so I teach about 40 minutes on Wednesday night. And I find, uh, if I do a chapter or two, I talk pretty fast. Um, same at our church, even at 30 or 40 minutes, they can't retain very, and I use PowerPoint. I usually have about... 20 to 25 supporting verses in that 30 minute message. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'm reading a whole chapter uh, or two. And, you know, the average American can't take that much. I mean, it, if I went for an hour, um, I'm thinking a lot of people wouldn't remember very much of anything because uh, I talk fast uh, and I, you know, so, so that's kind of my, my goal was to kind of model what Pastor Chuck did verse by verse, uh, you know, chapter by chapter, try to do a chapter every week on Wednesday night. And then a couple verses on the weekend dig into it. And so from my perspective, that was uh, kind of what I saw Pastor Chuck do. Although I know he did the two-hour services back in the 70s and 80s. And um, yeah, I just, I went to um, a Calvary Chapel when we first started here 25 years ago. And their service was two hours, hour and 45. And I remember just thinking, wow, that's so long. <laughs> and, you know, I love the Lord, but um, 
I just just try to be practical and realistic. You know, people can only take so much. And I, I suppose that a pastor who teaches for two hours then attracts people that can, you know, take in that much. Retain, but, yeah. Yeah. So so that's kind of my thought about it. And and then when you have multiple services on Sunday morning, one hour is great. So you have time, you know, because if we, if we do three on Sunday morning, which we probably will when we, you know, get ready to move to the next building, um, more than that's just not, you can't, not practical. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Uh, again, I just like different perspectives. I know some guys are, we're going to teach for an hour. You know, we've kind of adjusted. We've, we've gone down a little bit for COVID. We, we started shortening services a little bit and now we're doing three services. Same thing. We're trying yeah. to keep things a little bit more manageable. And then we have times, you know, during the week where, you know, actually if we do like Steve's taught uh, Bible college classes for us and he'll teach for three hours. And so yeah. those are your students taking notes, trying That's to pay crazy. attention. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I get to the end of teaching for three hours at the Bible college and my head hurts. Like I'm physically, yeah. I, like, yeah. uh, can't think straight. All right. All right. Here's our, our lightning round. Okay. You ready for these questions? Yes. Okay. So a good pastor you like to listen to dead or alive? Uh, I love to listen to Joe Foch. I mean, he's probably my favorite guy to listen to now. And it's changed over the years. When I first started teaching Bible study, it was John Corson. I loved his stories and uh, yeah. just, uh, and he did the same thing as Pastor Chuck. He taught verse by verse on Sunday and then in depth on, on uh, uh, Sunday night, verse by verse, in depth on Sunday morning. And so I, I love John Corson. Uh, you know, I, um, I, I, kind of, I liked Bob Coy for a while. But but it never I never could reproduce uh, what he was doing. So uh, but now it, I love listening to Joe Foch. I read all the Wearsby stuff. I have all the you know I love reading Wearsby for a while, and then all the Ironside stuff, and then um, you know I bought all the books that Pastor Chuck said to buy. I have the you know um, recommended reading list from Pastor Chuck. So I read all those. I own all those. Um, yeah, and so I just try to read a new commentary every time I go through. Uh, depending on, you know, what we're doing, if I'm teaching the book of revelation, then, you know, those guys that are better at the book of revelation. Uh, so uh, I might even get some non Calvary guys who have some great insight. Uh, you know, I used to listen to Chuck Missler when I was teaching the book of revelation. And, um, so yeah, Joe Foch is probably my favorite right now. All right. So that kind of leads me into my hey, saying, wait a second, wait a second. But that, that was like five guys that and was all the life. commentaries on the planet. <laughs> I maybe should emphasize lightning a little bit more. Um, Sorry. It does lead to my second question is what's a good read, a good book recently you've read that you think would be good for pastors? Just one though, not six. Uh, yeah. Well, we just went through with our leadership team. It's, uh, it's called, uh, uh, it just slipped out of my mind. Disciplines. Uh, yeah, it slipped out of my mind. Anyway, it's a guy from, uh, 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 slipping out of my mind. Well, I was thinking I love putting guys on the spot. I'm trying to cut it down. <laughs> 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 well, the Oswald Sanders, I think that's his name, Sanders. Uh, uh, is it called Spiritual Disciplines? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, it's on a shelf somewhere here. Yeah, I always look, they can look at my library and see them. I don't have them in front of me. Yeah, we just yeah. did Spiritual Disciplines. I think it's by Wilkerson. He was a navigators guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's a great one. Yeah, one is just hard. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's a good like leadership one. <laughs> we also did uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, Be Happy during COVID because it's about your brain type and how it works. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm having a we love you, Bob. Uh, yeah, this, this is really good. Um, right, I'm going to narrow it down to one again. Uh, one, one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's in full-time ministry or, or wanting to be in full-time ministry. It's something that you've just learned from the Lord. Yeah, I would say the most important thing is to be led by the Lord. Uh, so meaning that you pray, you hear God's voice, and then you venture out in faith. And not to do things that you just get an idea to do. Um, mm. and, and in my mind, that's a big difference, that when you pray, Lord, what should we do? And then the Lord tells you, and then you do it, um, especially when you're starting a church, because if the Lord tells you to do it, then you can do it with all your heart, even though the outward circumstance look like it's not working and it, it, things are not happening and, and all my work is uh, not fruitful. But if the Lord told you to do it, then you do it and uh, it doesn't matter what everybody yeah. else thinks. I love it. Thank Good you word. so much, Bob. I appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with us. That's and, all the uh, questions we get? That's all we get. No, <laughs> we'll have some more. We'll have you back on and we'll, we'll dive okay. into some other topics at some point. But uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. All right. Thanks for inviting thanks, me. God Bob. bless you guys. <laughs> you the EQ podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at eqministry.com. On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless.